Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Tori. Hello, Internet. Dave. Hi there. And Craig. Hey. Uh, so this week we've got the Mistborn, The Final Empire, a.k.a. the first book, uh, overview. But first, we do good thing. So, Tori, you were very excited about your good thing. Why don't you tell us about it? I'm very excited about my good thing. My good thing is the Netflix original series of Castlevania, because Ooh. I just finished season two, and it was so good. It was so good. It was so... I've been meaning to watch that. You should watch should. it. The whole thing is 12 entire episodes, and oh my gosh, it's so good. The first season the first season is four episodes. Nothing happens and it's great. <laughs> okay, yeah. stuff happens, the, but the still. So are they two hours each each episode or Yeah. The the first season was uh, it should have just been a movie. I think they were trying to Netflix was trying to sell us on the idea of, hey, we're gonna make this show. And so it's only four episodes and but they were so good. And <laughs> Each episode is 20 to 30 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, okay, so normal. And you continue to be good. I was, oh, I was looking forward to it so much. And it delivered. And, and yay, just, yeah, go watch it. It's good. All right, bye. <laughs> what? Where's the watch? Dave is moving right All right. Uh, Dave, I guess you've got stuff to do, so why don't you give us your good thing next? All right, my good thing is a website, and the website is zophar.net. That's Z-O-P-H, or Z-O-P-H, Z-O-P, for your Europeans, Z-O-P-H-A-R, and Canadian, .net, zophar.ph. <laughs> it's got all kinds of retro game utilities and safe states and junk, but it's especially awesome because it has a music section. And you can get uh, original music files from, you know, Commodore 64, NES, Sega Genesis, Sega Master System, Super Nintendo, all PlayStation consoles, N64, all kinds of Game Boy Advance, all kinds of great stuff. And it has the original music files, which is really good for the old retro consoles because they take up virtually no space. So if you uh, have too many selfies on your cell phone or mobile phone and you don't have enough room for music. Well, this is the perfect solution. And uh, <laughs> if you are going to play music on your phone, on, on your Android phone, I recommend... I used to use Modo Computer Music Player for Android, but uh, I've recently replaced it with ZX Tune or ZX Tune for you Europeans and Canadians. And it has... It cra doesn't crash like uh, the other one does, and... I just had split bug problems with Moda. Uh, and also, it has more compatibility, different formats that it can play. Like, Moda can't play Game Boy Advance or PS1 or N64, but ZX. <laughs> what was. So, yeah, Zofar.net and also ZX on Android. So just like you're opening, it's like Homestarrunner.net. It's dot com. Gotta watch the new Halloween tune. That's what I felt like you were. <laughs> It's Z, wait, Z, but for Canadian, then. <laughs> okay. Uh, Craig, why don't you go ahead? I'll be quick. Um, I 
decided to go back and look into this this old web-based game I used to play. Well, I played through, I should say. Um, I don't want to call it an idle game, because it's not really an idle game. It's like an RPG. It's called A Dark Room. Um, it's pretty neat. It's, it's exploratory. So, uh, you know, get some time, go try it out. I just decided to play through it again. I'm like, this is pretty neat. So there you go. Okay. Uh, so my good thing this week is a website that, uh, was introduced to me in the early 2000s. And this it is Zofar.net? No. It is called things my girlfriend and I have argued about dot com. <laughs> oh, I'm pulling that up right now. Uh, it was put together by a gentleman by the name of Mill Millington, who uh, is a writer in the UK, uh, has written things for The Guardian and the BBC. He has several books. Uh, yeah, there's like there's a decent chance that that you've seen this at some point. Uh, it's basically just a wall of text of various arguments that he and his girlfriend have gotten into. Uh, it's great. I was rereading it, trying to, like, pick out an example to maybe quote for, <laughs> for this, but I can't find, like, one, because... Eating Kit Kat bars two pieces at a time, breaking them in half just to annoy her. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't really give the scope of the thing, though. And, and that's really where, like, the humor is all over the place. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects to the humor, but the, the real the real crutch of it is the scope of it. This is like this web page is basically a novel's worth of text that you can just scroll through whenever you've got time. Um with each bullet point being like its own distinct story. And ah, it's very good. Uh I also own one of his books, which is a certain chemistry which I uh, also recommend. It's very good. Dude's just a really good writer. Um, I need to get some more of his things. Maybe I'll work on that in the future. Anyway, that was my good thing. Uh, Dave, we're, we're doing an overview, so can you give us a two-minute or less breakdown of the plot of this book? Wait, wait, wait. Oh. It needs to be bullet points read from your... Uh, Somewhere. Yeah. He can only do bullet points if he preps them ahead of time, and I didn't I didn't like tell him I, I was expecting this. Bullet points. I have them from most of the chapters, chapter seven onward, but that would take away more than two minutes because a lot of them. No, you just choose one from every chapter. Uh, okay. Spooky no, no, handkerchief. Really <laughs> Alright, so there's this world called Cell, I think. Scadrial. Galadriel. And the Cell was trans. from the last book. <laughs> Mistborn was the last book, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> We're done, Mistborn. It was the last book that Brandon ever wrote. Uh, so there's this world called Galadriel, and there is the superpower called Allomancy, where uh, people that have this power can what they call burn metals that are in their stomach basically consciously digest metals to give them superpower they can enhance their own strength or senses or uh, manipulate the emotions of others or basically just magneto stuff around like push and pull metals around them 
Uh, there are two types of people that have this power. There are mistings who can burn one type of metal and have and specialize in that. And there are mistborns that have full access to all the alimantic metals. Now, we meet our hero, Kelsier, who is leading a rebellion against the Lord Ruler, who is oppressing the slave race of the Ska. And uh, his origins are quite mysterious. Nobody remembers how he came to power, but everyone just basically assumes that he's a god, so he's the rightful ruler of the world. And uh, Kelsier and a band of thieves that he's known for quite some time, including his brother, who is the former leader of the revolution, they find a street urchin named Vin, and they realize that Vin is a mistborn, and they recruit her for their cause. Now, throughout the course of the book, Vin learns more about Alamancy, how to use the power of Kelsier, sees her as kind of a daughter, uh, because she reminds him of his long-lost love, Mare, who was killed, who was killed uh, while they were in the slave mines called the Pits of Hathson. And Kelsier is, at this point, the only person to have been thrown into the Pits of Hathson and come out alive. In fact, it was in the Pits of Hathson where he snapped, which is the terminology referring to him uh, coming to realize or coming to develop alimantic power. Now, uh, Vin learns to blend in with noble society and tries to learn about the uh, noble houses. So there are, I guess, basically five forces at work. There's like three categories of forces. There's the government. Uh, that consists of the Lord Ruler and the Ministry, and there is the Noble portion that's, uh, that's obvious, and there's also the Ska, or the Slaves. There's also Terracemen, who are also kind of slaves that are even lower than Ska, and then there's the Ministries broken down into Steel Inquisitors, and Obligators, who we later on find out are at odds with each other, but Basically, you have the government, the nobleman, and the ska. Uh, Kelsier hates the nobleman and doesn't really have a plan to redeem them with his revolution. But as Vin blends in the noble society, she falls in love with a noble boy. And they, you know, she starts to see that there can be some good in noble. They are redeemable. And she uh, eventually convinces Kelsier, but we don't actually find out right away. So they have this whole plan. They put together an army. They have the army hiding in the caves. But uh, Kelsier accidentally encourages them a little too much. And the leader of the rebellion, Yaden, uh, takes the army that they have hidden and brings them out a little too quickly. And they basically get slaughtered. But some people that remain behind are still loyal to Kelsier. And so Kelsier has an army hidden in the caves outside of the capital city, and he accidentally encourages them a little too hard. And Yaden, the leader of the revolution, leads them to a slaughter, but uh, Kelsier can still use this, and some people that remain behind and are still loyal to Kelsier. Uh, they not quite following the plan to the T, but uh, not a completely lost cause yet. Uh, Kelsier, ever the optimist, sees the opportunity that they still have. You know, his clan members think that he's crazy. But uh, he goes forward, and uh, Kelsier's brother, Marsh, infiltrates the ministry and starts training to be an obligator. 
and get some inside information about how the ministry is using uh, what they call soothing stations, basically using allomancy to keep the people depressed and keep them, you know, content or complacent rather, so that they won't rebel. And so he gets him a map of the soothing stations and they're going to get an update from Marsh, but uh, they were about, about to meet him at one of the soothing stations and they find just a corpse there. And they assume that Marsh has been found out and killed. So Kelsier goes berserkoid and he goes to the pits of Hatson and he destroys the mines there. And they were mining this really special allomantic metal called Atium. And that basically allows people to see into the nearby future and give them a huge combat advantage. And it's basically the backbone of the Empire's economy. So Felser goes down there, sets all the prisoners free, destroys all of the geodes that produce the ATM. And then, the you know, in retaliation, the Lord Ruler has this big public execution where everyone, you know, cartloads of Ska are going to be put to death, including some of Kelsier's friends. He goes in to save them. Lord Roller himself shows up. Uh, oh, before that, Kelsier kills the Steel Inquisitor, which are were thought to be unkillable up to that point. So Kelsier actually kills the Steel Inquisitor. Lord Roller comes up, says, why'd you do that? I need that dude. I'm going to kill you. Backhands him in the face, but Kelsier, with his half-face, still smiles as he dies. And uh, he has a servant that uh, is able to absorb his bones and reshape himself to look like Kelsier. So the the servant in the race is called a Chondra. The Chondra appears as Kelsier to uh, some sky and basically convinces him that uh, Kelsier is back from the dead and or is in appearing in a vision and encourages them to rebel. So they go and rebel and Vin storms the Citadel, storms Blackrock, Spire, Credit Shaw, the name of the palace. And she uh gets captured, but uh her Harrisman friends uh not Rachel, I used to tag her. <laughs> her uh Terrisman friend Sazed uh, who has before shown her that there is other power besides allomancy in this world. There's also a power called Ferrukami. So Ferrismen that have this power of Ferrukami can store attributes. They can store strength. They can store youth. They can store eyesight, speed, whatever. So they basically they take a, uh, a hit to whatever stat they want to store up so that they can call upon it later. It's just has all this strength stored up in this jewelry that he swallowed and busts her out of prison. And then her boyfriend shows up to save her, and then he gets caught. She has to go back to save her boyfriend, and then she eventually winds her way back into the Lord Ruler's palace, and lo and behold, Marsh has come back as a Steel Inquisitor, learned the secret to killing them, unplugged six or seven Steel Inquisitors, so he's the only one left. So it's Marsh and Vin versus the Lord Ruler, uh, Vin burns this mysterious thing uh, in Alamancy called the Eleventh Metal, and that allows her to see a different form of the Lord Ruler. And she realizes that uh, he's not the like the normal. I don't want to say human because well, they don't live on Earth, but the main race of the planet that they assumed he was 
do realize that is that he was not. He was actually a terrorist pack mule named Rayshek, who killed the person they had assumed to be the Lord Ruler. So he had both Alamancy and Farukami, and she managed to overcome his power and pull out his uh, bracers that he has his youth stored in. So he just becomes decrepit and falls over and dies. And then Epilogue, uh, Finn's boyfriend, becomes the new president, and everyone lives happily ever after, or do they? Because the Lord Ruler, uh, as he was dying, swore that he was protecting the world from this entity known as the Deepness. And then Ellen uh, breaks into her boyfriend's house. She says she runs up to him. She says, nerd. And then they hug. And then the curtains fall. All right. Um, so you had some questions prepped. Why don't you start us off with those? Uh, just one at a time and give as much extra info as you feel is necessary. Okay, I'll just go down the list. So, uh, I start with a disclaimer. I expect to get rafos on most of these, but I just want you guys to know what I've been thinking about and what, what questions I hope will be answered in the following books. Uh, the first category of questions regards the different characters and their past and kind of the mysteries that haven't yet been revealed. My first question is, who betrayed Kelsier? We assumed that it was his girlfriend, Mare. Uh, he refuses to believe it, even though everybody else thinks so. I still think, to the end of the book, thought it might have been Marsh because he was a little jealous. Probably went a lot further than Marsh meant for it to go, or maybe he just wanted to turn in Mare and not Kelsier. But uh, we don't know. It's a mystery. So uh, I'd like to see more of this in the ensuing books. But, you know, if it's just an unanswered question, I understand life is full of unanswered questions. And Brandon might know and he might. I Brandon does know, but he might never tell us. All right. I actually have an answer and I'm willing to give it to you. Oh, yeah. Vin's theory is correct. Vin's, Vin's theory was that it was not Mayor. Yes. So that's all he got for me. <laughs> no, Vin's theory was that since she can pierce copper clouds somehow, that maybe the Inquisitors and the Lord Ruler can also do that, and she's right. The exact mechanism of that is a Rafo, but Vin's okay. theory is the correct one. Gotcha. All right. It well, wasn't I, Marsh. I, Stop trying to make it, Mar- it be Marsh. <laughs> okay. Next question. Why did Vin's mother try to kill her? Was she really just bat poop crazy or what did uh did the lead obligator dude her father kind of put pressure on her and say it's either her or you or was there some other thing you want her money i don't know all right uh for this one i'm gonna go a little bit cryptic followed by a rafo uh (laughs) which is vin's mother did exactly what she meant to do and rafo and she's also bat poop crazy Also that, yes. Crazy, that's what she meant to do, right? Okay, next question. What is the significance of Vin's earring? Is this simply a memento? Because, you know, despite her imperfect family, she still loves them and wants to remember them. Uh, We did find out toward the end of the book that she believes Reen had died to save her life. Uh, So, you know, it might be more of a memento of Reen than of her mother. Uh, is it going to be have some secret alimantic or ferrochemical power later on that's going to be important? Uh, I did kind of express some 
grief over the fact that it seemed important sometimes and was ignored other times in this book. But uh, maybe, you know, it just it was being set up for something in the future. I don't know. So the answer to your question is Rafo. For the earring? <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, was... so real quick, uh-huh. Ufir says, these are great questions. So there you go. Okay. Next question. Quite simple. Is Reen still alive? Uh, the answer to that one is no. You actually got told that straight out in at the end of this book. I got told that Vin believed that he died. I didn't. No, you got told by the by the dude who killed him, or a dude who was there when he died. A dude said that his mind snapped. I do not recall that dude saying he died. But okay, I guess if he killed him or was there when he died, then his word is. Well, he could have been lying to Vin. I don't know. He might be alive. No, he dead. <laughs> Reen is dead. D E D. So Reen's not going to come back as a misborn and try to swindle Vin out of her money. That no, series of events one hundred percent will not happen. Ah. Oh. Okay. Where is Straff Venture? Uh, Vin's boyfriend Ellen. He, his father abdicated the noble houses, and Ellen took over and eventually became president of the uh, new final empire. And Draft uh, Venture just kind of left, and is he going to try to come back and say that uh, he has some sort of place in this new society, or is he just completely write everything off and he's gone forever? Um, I'm going to say Rafo, but you're not going to have to wait too long for an answer on that one. Also, I petition a new position be called President Lord Ruler. <laughs> okay. President All right. uh, Keep him coming. Lord Ruler Caesar. All right. And this, uh, this kind of leads into the next category, but uh, how does Vin have superior power? And I'm absolutely not getting an answer to this question <laughs> right now. But uh, I have a couple of theories, at least one. Uh, so what I'm talking about here is that as you said, Vin can pierce copper clouds. Vin can uh, burn bronze and detect allomancy, even if somebody is burning the opposite metal copper, which normally masks allomancy. The Lord Ruler was shown to have this power, uh, possibly steal Inquisitors too as well. And Vin, just for poops and giggles, is hanging out with Kelsier, says, hey, maybe I can pierce a copper cloud. And she does with Kelsier multiple times and proves that she has the ability to do it. Uh, she also is able to, uh, iron pull the metal bracers that the Lord Ruler is wearing, even though the rules had been established that if something is piercing your body or inside of your stomach, then it couldn't be pushed pulled. The Lord Ruler is almighty and is able to do that, but somehow then is able to do that as well. And I have one theory, which... I can't really substantiate, but my my thought is maybe somehow when she burned Oopsium and lost all of her medals, that also enhanced her power somehow. Uh, the problem with that theory is that she is shown to pierce copper clouds even before burning the Oopsium. However, we also know that before Vin knew anything about Allomancy, she had elementic powers because of trace metals in the water she was drinking and the utensils that she was eating with and all that. So 
maybe she accidentally burned Upsion sometime when she was younger and got powers that way. Okay. Uh, the answer is Rafo. Obviously. <laughs> I, I will point out that try to think about where the source of their knowledge comes from. Think about that this week. But let's let's uh, move on to the next was... question. Okay. All right, uh, on to the next category, just general allomancy questions. How do secondary metals fit in with allomantic structure? And I've got theories for this, and I'm going to actually post a picture in the Discord here. So I previously had drawn up an allomancy wheel, which showed which metals were physical, which were mental, external versus internal, and push versus pull. And I didn't know where to put ATM, so I just stuck it in the middle. Uh, so. Vin theorizes that uh, ATM is not actually gold's opposite, but that gold and the 11th metal are opposites. But she's, her theory, whether or not it's right, I don't know, but I'm going to assume it is for now, that the 11th metal is some gold alloy. Now, all the pure metals are pulling metals, so the 11th metal would be a pushing metal. And what she does is she breaks breaks down the category of physical versus mental, and she makes that a three-way category, physical, mental, and time effective. I think that's silly. Why would you have one axis that has three points on it? Well, shouldn't there, There's more likely a whole different axis of matter versus time or space versus time. So I would imagine that there are at least 16 alimantic metals. Uh, there are the eight basic metals, of course. And then we learn about atium, gold, the 11th metal, and upsium. And uh, for one thing, I'm assuming atium is pure so that it's a pulling metal. I don't know. But I just wrote down kind of my guess as to where these other four metals fall on the, on the time wheel. There's the matter wheel of the eight basic metals, and there's the time wheel. And not to be confused with the wheel of time. <laughs> not the, not, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, All right. So, um, so, so I'm first, not going to answer this question in any way whatsoever, except to say that you're thinking about this and I like where you're going. Okay. I just want to see more pictures. I want to see pictures that say oopsium. With inverted. No, colors. it's gonna say yeah. you are thinking about this way <laughs> more than I ever think about things as I'm reading them. Well, this is between reads when I'm at work and bored, and I have basically just my mind to keep me occupied. Uh, but all right, yeah. So uh, next question. Okay, I, I'm gonna actually go to uh, not in the order I wrote, but the next question I'm gonna say is how many metals are there? And that's kind of tied in with how do the secondary metals fit in with the whole allomanciology. At least uh, one, but no least. more than 255. <laughs> uh, that bites. <laughs> that bites. Um, so my, my guess is six. If there's some fifth axis, maybe 32, but I... I think that whatever the number is, it's probably a power of two. So it can't be if it can't be more than two fifty five, then it's one twenty eight. <laughs> All right. Also, Rafo. Uh, okay. Duh. <laughs> Are there mistings 
the people that specialize in one alimentic metal, are there mistings that can burn secondary metals? So we've so far only seen mistings that can burn one of the eight basic alimentic metals. But is there one that can only burn ATM or is there one that can only burn the 11th metal? Maybe they actually can burn tin and ATM. Like maybe the, they actually get the matter one and the time one, but no one's ever tried it yet. Or maybe they just have different specialists that can only do one of the time ones. So are there mistings that can burn secondary metals? Rayfo. All right, next question. Are Allomancy and Farukami purely hereditary, or is it possible for anyone to learn? Now, this is kind of uh, kind of answered already, maybe, because we know that uh, Kelsier and others, even uh, Spook, who is the team's Tina, that they have a specific point in their life where they, what they call snap, where, uh, as I mentioned, that's where they realize they were developed the Allomantic ability. Uh, Kelsier, I don't think, mentioned to have any noble blood in him, and it was thought that only nobles could have alimantic power. But Incorrect. He has explicitly stated in chapter, th- no, chapter, yeah, chapter three, that he's half, half Oh, okay. I, I thought you maybe he did, but it would be, and Vin obviously has a, her, her father is a high noble obligator. Well, not and Spook's nobleman, grandfather, I believe, was a noble. Okay. So, are Alamancy and Farukami purely hereditary, or is it possible for anyone to learn? All right. This is a question with a probably more complicated answer than I think you were meaning. Uh, <laughs> to answer your last question first, is it possible for anyone to learn? No. Without However, going to the Wall of Ascension. We also know that uh, Raychek, who is a Farukimist, uh learned how to use Alamancy by going to the Wall of Ascension, or at least that's known or assumed, I think, at this point. Um, okay, or, so... Or we're led to believe that. Are Alamancy and Farukami purely hereditary? No, but also mostly yes. So yes, you can that's my inherit answer. it, but you don't have to inherit it. Yes. Okay. Next question. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, on to just general Cosmere and Mist World stuff. Uh, Eladriel. Okay. Eladriel, what? <laughs> Mist Planet. <laughs> I guess Captain Planet lost, so the world is covered in smog. Are Terrasmen and the other races separate species? So, uh, Terrasmen are, you know, physically distinct from the for lack of a better term, humans on this world. And they also, at this point, are the only ones known to have ferrochemical power. But are they actually different species, like the mist rays, or do they just have uh, different heritage? Uh, no, they are not a separate species. They are humans with um, investiture, with, with, with a specific <laughs> form of investiture, the ones who are ferrochemists. I mean... There were, you know, clearly steps taken to prevent interbreeding. Right, and that has to do with powers being hereditary, and the Lord Ruler didn't want anybody else to inherit both powers at once, because he wanted to be... They're as close to being normal humans as most of the other people on Scadrial. Okay. 
Uh, I'm going to go ahead with a question that I forgot to write down. And I think we, we definitely talked about this in chat. And I think maybe we talked about it a little bit on the last episode. Uh, why is fire yellow if the sun is red? Um, I think I'm going to refo that one. It's, hmm, yeah. Dude, uh, I'm just going to say the sun is red just because of how thick the atmosphere is. But if it's the atmosphere, then why are pla- like why are plants brown? So if there is some kind of lens that alters all of the colors, why isn't the sun and fire? Why aren't the sun and fire the same color? And I have a theory actually on this one, which is almost certainly wrong. But fire can basically be any color based on how hot it is. So maybe the the sun is actually blue because it's burning so hot but then it appears as red because of the color lens. So that would explain why the sun and torch fires are different colors. That's my theory. That's completely wrong. Okay, the answer here is you're both over and under thinking this, and <laughs> you're going to get your answer by the end of the next book, for the most part. Okay. And I'm and just the, trying to give him an answer. I'm not thinking any of this. What I've written in our private Discord chat is the sun on Mistworld is likely hotter than ours, so maybe it should actually be blue. Thus, in the weird color scheme, it appears red, and Torchfire can still be yellow. But, nah. And again, with the thinking about this way more than <laughs> I ever think about stuff while I'm reading it. Okay, next question. What is the deepness? I imagine we're going to find out in the next book, the next book's called The Well of Ascension. <laughs> so... Yeah, and Vin's on the covers, at holding up. You just want to refo yourself because you can do that. Yeah, refo. Uh, but these are these are the questions that I'm asking, and I hope to get answered in the next book. No, that's good. These are really you know, good questions. I something we might want to consider is looking over this list again in the future after the book. If you think these are going to be answered, then could be fun to look through these again. Oh yeah, pin it. It would be fun to make Dave answer his own questions. Right. Ah. <laughs> if he can. He'll just be like, Rafo. <laughs> okay, it's pinned. Okay, nice. Uh, so what is the deepness? Um, maybe it's something that's not even from Scadrial. Maybe it's some, maybe it's some shard or some god. I don't know. Uh, what is the well of, what is at the well of ascension? Alright, Rafo. <laughs> is it a perpendicularity, Rafo? Did Rayshek kill the logbook author or throw him into the well? So the only, I think the only confirmation we get that Rayshek killed the logger was Vin saying, you killed him, didn't you? I don't even know if we get confirmation from Lord Roller when she says that. Okay, for that one, you don't get a Rayfo because we didn't ever foe. Uh, oh. Probably Rish, Rashik killed the logbook author. Uh, he could have thrown him into the well. Probably didn't. For reasons. I disagree. I think we do know. But, and well, I, I mean, we right. don't ever get, like, proper details of, of what happened there. throwing him in the well. Well, that I don't know, because maybe the well is a perpendicularity, and by throwing him into the well, he turned into Harrington. Whoa. Yep, that happened. <laughs> Logbook author confirmed Harrington. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Put it up. Reddit. Oh, man. I'm not allowed to read the Reddit. 
<laughs> You're not allowed to read a lot of stuff. All right, finish Except us off. Awesome you got one more question. Yeah, okay, last question. How does Scadrial fit in with the Cosmere cosmology? And I'm sort of asking this because I pried a little bit of information out of you and I'm listening to the old episodes of our podcast. And you specifically said that this was a hub world or one of three possible hub worlds. And yeah. All right, what are you actually asking? Because I didn't really get a definite question there. How does Scadrial fit in with the cosmology of Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere? As it in, is one of the planets. <laughs> like, how, I, does it I, connect to, how does it connect to the other planets? And there's a star in the sky. Yeah, I'm not. Star. I'm not actually understanding like is what. Is it actually you're... just like a solar system? Yeah, it's its own. It's a galaxy. It's its own planet that orbits its own star. A red sun that's probably blue in real life. Okay, I guess. uh, Yeah, the worlds are connected somehow, or maybe they just all. Maybe they don't even interact. They just all exist in the same galaxy. How about this? I think I think I'm getting where your where your mental disconnect is. Interplanetary travel in the Cosmere does not necessarily require crossing the uh the space in between worlds right because you have perpendicularity well that crosses between the physical and the mental realm or the cognitive realm uh hmm. i don't know but uh you know i was just curious because you know the most recent episode released right now is the one or one of the more recent ones is where you say that uh the the schedule is a main hub world in the cosmos. So, why why is that? I guess. Um, Rafo. Well, okay. It has to do with basically the number of books being written about this world. Uh, um, Scadrial is getting confirmed minimum twelve at this point. Originally planned nine. Um, Roshar, which is the Stormlight world, which we'll get to in a while, uh, that has ten planned. Um. And then the third hub world has no books so far, but I think that had like a seven book series planned that was announced. So yeah, it's just sheer number of books. Like there's a reason that this much story is happening here and it's because this world is important. So there you go. Okay. I guess I could have done research on Amazon. and uh, Okay. So why don't you go ahead and upload my... Newly revised Alamancy diagram. It's so colorful. And obviously done in MS Paint. I guess I can post it into the chat for Ufir to read and anyone else who may be here. If you can see that link, hopefully. I'm pretty sure Discord links are universal. Yeah, I don't know. You should be able to share it even if he's not in the Discord. Um. So does anyone else have anything whole book wide? Um. Dave, you had actually asked before we went into last week's episode of whether it was appropriate for you to like talk about complaints about the book, and I had asked if they were like had to do specifically with the ending or with the whole book, and then you didn't continue from there, so I assumed it was whole book. So what you got? I why is the fire yellow? Why is the fire yellow? I guess my complaints are why do I care? I guess I kind of covered them in the last episode. Uh, I f- like for one thing, I feel like uh, 
Marsh not actually dying was just kind of a gotcha. So that's I have I kind of gripe about that. It's like when I went back and read it, I was like, uh, it's so obvious that it wasn't him. He's like, oh, they didn't recognize who it was, but it was Marsh. Um, then I actually thought it was kind of funny. They never really had to leave clubs' uh, workshop. <laughs> just stayed there. They weren't onto them at all. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that was. Craig made the that point that fun. it did catalyze Kelsier going to destroy the ATM mines and really push to the end of the book. So it it had a purpose in universe for them to think that it was Marsh that died. But uh, you know, from our perspective, it seems like a god. So, eh. Not really too big on that, but overall, I really liked it. Uh, I I mentioned this before that I really liked that the characters had more obvious flaws than the heroes in Elantris did, and I. So, did you enjoy this more than Elantris? I did. I I will say that it's it's less of a you know familiar setting for me. I've never really read any kind of like I guess this wasn't even really steampunky, but they do have. They have some kind of like stuff where they use their powers, like uh, traveling fast, and I don't know. I, I don't know. Steampunk is not really the right word, but it's it's more urban. That's what I mean to say. It's but more it's urban. urban fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so that's not really as much my wheelhouse as the the medieval fantasy theme. But uh, despite that, I would say that I enjoyed this more than a lot. Favorite character? Uh, probably Kelsier. Actually, you know, kind of lame, but he was a really good character. Oh, and, you know, as I said, the earlier Mistborn episodes are of uh, this podcast have just been released. I went back and listened to them, and I believe I had made a complaint early on that I didn't really care about the conflict. Uh, and I've, I've rethought that, and it's kind of still true. Like, there were just people trying to overthrow the government or overthrow their god at the end of the day. It, you know, kind of just standard fare, but uh, the, this story just had amazing characters and really interesting world mechanics that I kind of forgot that I didn't really care about the conflict, so I still enjoyed it very much. Alright, where do you think, like, okay, so at the end of the first book, God Emperor is dead, government is overthrown, like, in any other series, that would be the end of the series. We're at the end of book one of a trilogy. Where's it going? What's next? I think it's going to the Well of Ascension. Vin's got her buster sword on my cover of, uh... Her buster sword? There is a buster... There is Vin holding a buster sword on the cover of my book. buster sword! That is not an inaccurate cover or a description of the weapon. I... I actually... Also, I I recently bought the box set, the whole trilogy box set, and I gotta say, I'm not a fan of the way Vin looks on Hero of Ages. She goes trying to look in, like, really hardcore in Mistborn, then Wall of Ascension, she's got kind of, like, big puppy eyes but she still looks human but she looks awful <laughs> on the uh, cover art of the uh third book but anyway i don't, I don't know i i guess the best cover for me is maybe well of ascension now that i see a buster sword oh <laughs> okay you have a newer co- i just pulled it up 
Yeah, maybe. That looks different than, holy crap, she's wielding a buster sword. <laughs> okay. I cool. personally, my favorites are the UK covers, which is actually what Craig has as his splash page on the, on the stream. There's another Buster Sword, and it's completely different. What is this? They're like black and white primarily, and like super like simplistic. And I love them so much. I I would love to replace my entire book collection of Sanderson with the UK covers. They're so good. Anyone who's listening who would like to send me a gift, hit me up, and I'll send you my address so you can mail me stuff. <laughs> Get some on the mail from the UK. Actually, I think I like the original cover the best. It's She has a mist cloak. It's sort of cool. So my theory is that the deepness will come back, and Vin will have to defend the world from it, and she'll have to go to the Well of Ascension, and... Uh, she is going to find some kind of power there, like Alamancy or Farukami, or maybe something even completely different. But she is not going to hoard it for herself. She's going to tell everybody the secret of this power, or whatever she's going to find. So everyone in the world will be on equal footing. That's my meta theory for the trilogy, or at least the second. All right. Um, I'm kind of dry at this point. Um, oh, yeah. We got I, the. Are we starting it next week? Yeah, we're we're starting. Uh, we're gonna do the prologue and the first three chapters of uh, the Well of Ascension next week. Everybody good? Okay. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Then I actually posted an article about this in the Discord some time ago and forgot to ever bring it up for the for the actual recording. Um. I think I did it in spoilers because it mentioned a character that you haven't interacted with yet who's from a different book. Uh, but there was a Tor article over, like, who, what main characters from fantasy would be the worst at keeping a kitten. And I, I would like to know who you think would do the best job of keeping a kitten alive and, the like, happy job. and stuff in this, in book, this book, from this book. From this book. Who would be the best kitten caretaker? Uh, Ham. Yeah, I think Ham would be pretty good. Um, I could make an argument against. I'm sure you can make an argument against anyone. No, I bet I bet Clubs could do it. I think inside he could be a <laughs> I could see that. I was my first thought was actually Spook. Yeah, I kind of want to go Spook with this. I think Spook would do a good job. He's like the mopey teenager character. They love cat. And Spook is a lonely dude. He could use a cat. He could. He could. I, th I think I could maybe see Spook taking care of a kitten. Spook would be my first choice, too. Also, so, alright, we're going away. We want Spook to watch our cat. Is that what we're saying here? Yeah. Spook's dead. What? I don't know. They saved him out of the... Yeah, they, they saved him. He's not dead. Well, right, he better so not be dead. That'll list. make later books really weird. Let's see. Who else? Sazed. Sazed would do a really good job yeah, taking care of a cat. But he wouldn't... All the cats. He wouldn't like. He would just buy the book, take care of the cat, and be like, "It's it's like data taking he'd care be, of the cat." He's, he'd be like, like, it I'm works. objectively the best caretaker of this cat. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. We have to go into this. Data has a cat. Data is the only yes. one on the ship who has a freaking cat. Data okay, has so a cat. Data takes care of a cat. Okay, I'm not. I'm not saying he shouldn't take care of the cat. I'm just saying. 
he's not gonna he wouldn't interact with the cat as much as some other characters. He'd be like, This is the caretaker of the cat. But that's a question. Oh my gosh. What if it's the cat from Red Dwarf? Thought his cat was dead. Who? One more time, Tori. Data cried when he thought his cat was dead. Data cried? He did. That sounds like something from the movies. It, yeah, it yeah, sounds like some emotion chip nonsense. <laughs> well, the emotion chip was introduced in the show, so... It was introduced, but Data doesn't get it until, like, the movie. Don't you remember in Star Trek First Contact, the movie, when Jean-Luc Picard says, Data, turn off your emotion chip, it's not canon. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> anyway... Data has a cat. Nobody else has a freaking cat on the Enterprise. Uh, okay. Apparently, so pets not, are allowed. I'm not arguing against this. I'm saying Sazed taking care of the cat reminds me of Data having a cat. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Sazed is the perfect cat, cat caretaker. I need someone to watch my cats. Sazed is a good choice. He is. Because he'd probably also clean my house while he's at it. <laughs> yeah, true. All right. I think I'm actually. I think could too, as well, if, if we're going that argument. I think he's, he's... He'll take care of the cats, and they'd all be loved and cared for, and when I got back, he would have got them, like, a dozen new toys. But <laughs> would also have eaten everything in my fridge. Right. <laughs> and Docs would also complain about how much all of those toys cost. Yes. <laughs> all right, I'm going to call it here. The, <laughs> wife, the wife is going to bed. He answered the most important question. That was a very important question. I mean, I, th- I still think Spook is, is the top cat caretaker. Yes, the cats would be happy. My fridge would be empty. It's the price you pay. All right. Bye, Internet. <laughs> Bye. This has Bye, been Internet. the Cosmere Podcast. <laughs> this has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.